chapter 12. We've been going for the last several weeks looking at a phrase in your Bible called renewing of the mind. There are plenty of seats up here in the front. Now that we've lost uh, some of the kids to the uh, to Children's Church, you're welcome to take their seats. Amen. Romans chapter 12. We're going to focus on the third point, which is replacing, all right? Four R words, kind of help you just to think about these things when you're looking at the things going on inside your head. Four things to do to, to renew the mind. And this morning, we're going to talk about replacing some things. <clears throat> Let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world. Speaking to Christians, one of the things that when you're, when, when you're just going through life and you're religious and you, you, uh, you go along with the crowd, you're, you're, everything you believe you got from your parents, everything, all your opinions are, are, are um, forged by your friends, and everything is outwardly conforming you to their image. But when you get born again, you were transformed. But there's something that happens if you're not careful in your Christian life where all of a sudden the world gets that pressure back going again and you need to renew the, the, the mind so that your life can be different. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This morning we're going to continue to look at and learn and to master this concept of renewing our mind. When Paul says it, he's not saying that this is something that you just pray about or something that you hope for, it's something you're supposed to do. So we've got to figure out how to renew our minds, and it is the key to a sane, stable, restful, transformed Christian life. It starts here. It doesn't start in the heart. Salvation, you must believe with all your heart. You don't have to understand God. you just got to know He loves you, He died for you, he was buried and rose again for you. You see, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it, but you do need to believe it. And you do need to believe it, that what he did was the only way to forgive uh, and, and to, to um, wash and to save a wretch like us. So I can believe it in my heart, but, but there's something that happens in my mind that's got to be fixed. And that's called the renewing of, of my mind so that my life's at peace, man. So it starts there. So far, we've learned two big truths about renewing the mind. The first thing is, well, let me start off. We've learned lots of truths about, but number one, your mind is amazing. I'm not even going to go over the things I've said, but believe me, your brain is not an accident. I know the scientists want to say that your brain is a pretty good computer. No, it's the best computer ever imagined. Your brain, no computer, no artificial intelligence will ever match what your brain can do. Your mind is amazingly designed. But more than that, your mind is more than gray mush. And I've taught you this, that you have a physical brain, you have an emotional mind. You didn't know that. <laughs> and, you have a, and you're supposed to have a spiritual mind. If you're born again, you've got the Spirit of God in you, and you've got a new mind. So it's more than just that gray mush we call the brain. Oops, wrong button. You're living how your mind thinks. See, everything you do started here. Right? And you gotta, what you think about will turn into what you do. And so that's why we focus on the mind right now, to get us so that we renew this mind so that our things that we do are better than they used to be. Now, if you're honest, your mind is probably not in good shape. You have weird, angry thoughts going on inside your head. You battle with constant discouragement, depression. Some people are unable to rest or sleep. Some have constant waves of sad memories just, just, just halt them in their steps. What goes on inside their head makes them cold towards other people in general, never really able to get close to people. And uh, if you don't like what goes on inside of your head, then this message is for you. So you're either being conformed or transformed on the inside. So conformed is where pressure is applied from the outside and you make a shape, all right? And a lot of things are conformed. Everything we sit on, everything's been shaped. But your mind is not supposed to be shaped by the world. Your mind is supposed to be 
transformed by an inside power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's why a person who's not born again has no concept of what we're talking about and has no hope of ever achieving a renewed mind because they don't have a new mind to renew. So we're talking about something that's invisible working inside of you like air inside a balloon, and it's the Holy Spirit. So renewing the mind, as I said, over and over is the key to changing for the better. Uh, and um, transformed is that word metamorphosis where a, a strange-looking caterpillar goes through a process. It's not instant, okay? Somebody doesn't wave a magic wand from Walt Disney and turn that uh, caterpillar into a butterfly. There is a process. There's something that happens uh, called metamorphosis where that caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Well, if you ever have had those days, weeks, or months where you just live in stress, where you can't sleep, you're just mad, angry, sharp-tongued, you're just evil, <laughs> you need a transformation process that renews you to where you can be at rest. And that only happens by what we're talking about these past few weeks. Renewing your mind basically means two things. It means repairing what's broken, and a lot of us are broken. See, the first thing we got to do is admit, I'm broken. Some things aren't working right upstairs. And then secondly, restoring your mind to how it was when it was made new at salvation. If you could only go back to that day and just keep it that way, wouldn't that be awesome? So I gave you some preliminaries uh, over the last few weeks. One is you need to make sure you have a new mind to renew. Without a new mind, you're, 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 just, you're just faking it. Uh, the truth is you need a whole new mind. It only starts when you're born again. God puts a new mind in you. Uh, if you don't have a new mind, you don't have a right mind, you can get it today. So how much does it cost? It's absolutely free. Well, who do I talk to? Jesus Christ. <laughs> you say, well, where do I go? You're already there. There's no corner. There's no altar. There's no crucifix. There's, there is God right next to you waiting for you to cry out and says, help me, save me. I need, I need a whole new mind. I'm tired of living and thinking and doing the way I do. And, and, and you do it because you're sick of your sin. You say, well, I'm not that bad. Then you're in trouble. Because until you realize just how messed up you are, it's just like an alcoholic. A drunkard will never seek help until he hits rock bottom and says, I'm tired of being the way I am. Same thing with all sin. Make sure you, so you need that new mind. I hope you get it today. Say, if you got it, I got it 37 years ago. Wouldn't trade it for a million worlds. You got a perfect mind? No, it's just, it's just new. It's, it's, it's fresh. It's clean. It's, it's, um, uh, it's the source of me being able to have a same day and uh, uh, have joy. So make sure you have a new mind to work with. Secondly, and by the way, uh, we're not talking about replacing your physical brain. There are no brain transplants attempted here. Although my, young, my, my youngest son always wanted to be a brain surgeon, so don't talk to Joshua about what his life goal is, all right? <laughs> you don't need a new brain. And a lot of people think, well, if I just had new emotions. Well, I know that may be a noble thing, but your emotional mind is not your real problem. It's your spiritual mind. It's what you let into your spirit. And if you haven't noticed that Hollywood and uh, Netflix and the Internet and most everything is spiritual in nature. And not just intellectual, it's not all about smartness. It's, it, it plays on our, our ability to rest at night, and our, our, our spirit. So make sure you've got that new mind to work with. Secondly, focus on renewing your mind, not on changing your life. Now this is cute. I thought of this. Um, your problem, the problem with your mouth can't be fixed with duct tape. Man, if I could just fix my sharp tongue, so out comes the duct tape. It won't fix the tongue. Problem with your eyes and adultery and lust and, and uh, pornography can't be fixed with a blindfold. There are plenty of people who thought if they just lived in a little beehive hut off away from everybody, they would stop sinning. It didn't work. Problems with worry can't be fixed with loads of money. It all starts with how you think. Change comes easily when our mind has been changed. So put most of your efforts into working on the spirit of your mind. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Not just, don't think about your brain, don't think about your emotions, think about in the spirit of your mind. In the spirit of your mind, 
It's not, the, it's not a place where you think great thoughts or understand great mysteries or work through massive problems. You know, it's great to eat right. As a matter of fact, it's very important. Uh, you have Kit Kat for breakfast every day. You are going downhill. It's important for you to get enough sleep so your physical mind can think clearly. Junk food is making every one of us messed up. Junk food is ruining the last several generations. Uh, you ever wonder why everybody's so agitated? It's steroids, um, uh, um, pesticides, it's, it's all the stuff that goes into our food and then the fact we don't even try to eat right. So everybody's like this all the time. It's very important to have supportive friends and have family atmosphere. But the most important area in your life is to have a spiritual dimension of your mind focused on and said, I'm going to work there. I'm going to fix that so that my life changes. So how do you do that? Become slow to speak. Think a lot before you say a word. Amen. The greatest minds of this world have always been listeners. Most of the time we listen in an argument to respond. I'm going to catch you. (laughs) Do you know how you learn? You listen without talking. And you just store it up, and you analyze it, and you learn it. So become slow to speak. Take second place. If you want to work on your mind, the spirit of your mind, you need to be humble to yourself. And instead of always thinking about how you want to get ahead and how you have to get, get, get them out of their place and you take their place, and all the things that go inside of us about our pride, take second place. Third, fourth, fifth. Be willing to humble yourself. And then secondly, desire a new mind. Ask God, God, I want to renew that new mind that you gave me. So there are four steps. If you've got that interest, there are four steps we're talking about doing. Number one, reading. And I'm not talking about reading the RTE guide. Secondly, releasing, which we talked about last week. Third, replacing, which we're talking about this week. And the next week, talking about retaking responsibility. Those last two things are going, to be, uh, are going to be sort of the capstone of everything we've been focusing on. And it'll help you the most. Next week will be the review, and you'll be able to say, I understand it. I said, first of all, you need to read the Bible. Joshua 1.8 tells you this book. Take your Bible, hold it up in your hands. That book in your hand. The Bible says, this book shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, if it's going to come out of my mouth, i got to first get it in my eyes and my head and then out my hands. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. You can put it down now. But thou shalt meditate therein day and what? Night. Okay, so it's talking about saturating our minds with the Bible. Uh, this is the mind of God. So if you're going to get the mind of Christ into your mind, you need to read it. So saturate it like a, like a sponge, saturate the water. Secondly, you'll let it, as you read it, it'll start to change the way you think. It'll change your opinion about abortion. It'll change your, it'll change your opinion about race. It'll change your opinion about where this world is going and is not getting any better, amen? Let it fashion your mind. Third, let it arm yourself with the same ways and same thoughts and same habits that Jesus had, and he was a victor. He didn't live, I mean, all the, you look at the stations of the cross, every one of them, Jesus is sad. Not according to my Bible, he was victorious. Why was he able to live in victory? Because he thought right, because his mind was right, and I need the mind of Christ. And then as you read and believe it, you'll get a, new, you'll get a renewed mind. That just happens. Like having a, you try and use a, a dry sponge on a crusted pan, it's not going to help out much. But you get that hand soapy and soaking, they get that sponge in there, all of a sudden it cleans things. And you get your mind soaked in that Bible, saturated in that Bible, cover to cover, chapter by chapter, book by book. Don't treat it like a Ouija board. I mean, I've been, my wife and I went to one of our neighbors, and they said, oh, we're going to read the Bible. So they put the Bible out in the middle of the table and went like this. And they started reading. I went, that's not how you read the Bible. Never read any book like that. That was a book meant to be read start to finish. Line by line, here, there. Taking your Bible and reading the Bible, I recommend, if, you're more, if you've never done it before, start in Matthew, read all the way through to Revelation, and then go back to Genesis and go all the way through again, and then again, and again. I've done it 39 times. Are you finished yet? Not on your life. First time I read it, I sat it down, and I went, I better do that again. <laughs> and each time I finish it, I go, let's start again, amen? Secondly, 
Last week I focused on releasing what hurts you. Releasing what hurts you. You see, after you saturate your mind with the mind of God, there's going to be a lot of things that don't belong there anymore. Amen? You're going to have to let go so that your mind can actually heal. Maybe the hardest thing you'll ever do to let go of the hurts that become ingrained in your life. Once you've done it, the bonds of all the hurts and the offenses of your past are going to be broken and the chains of your mind are going to fall away, guaranteed. I said this last week, I found that most mental and emotional bondage that Christians are in is related to the amount of sins that we allowed to build up in our life and to the amount of forgiveness that we withhold from others. You're going to have to release everything you struggle with and start over. And by faith, be able to start forgiving others as Christ, as Christ has forgiven you. You can't keep adding stuff into your head and all the problems and all the stress and all the Bible. You can't add it in there. It'd be like throwing another cat into a room full of cats. You can't do it. You're going to have to get rid of the cats, amen? (laughs) So you're going to need to release those things that hurt you. How do you do that? You're going to have to forgive. How do you forgive? Matthew 28. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 18. We went through it all. I wish you were here last week. But if you weren't here last week, it's on the internet, BibleBC.com. Go in there, click on the messages. You can, all of my notes are all written in there. You can click on them, see everything I said, and then you can watch it or you can listen to it on your, your iPhone or whatever there. And the point is this you're going to need to forgive. And if you don't know how to forgive, I showed you the best example in the Bible. You can forgive. You know, Joseph did. Joseph was totally abused by his brothers. He was totally abused by his employer. He was totally abused by by, uh, uh, the legal system. You know what he did? I forgive you. You know why he did that? Because he didn't want to be in bondage to the the, uh, uh, seeking of revenge and to the hatred and to the destruction that comes from unforgiveness. You got to forgive. Jesus forgave on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. The very ones who crucified him, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen, all he did was preach. All he did was stand up doing what I do right today. We live in such a world that's so free, talking about if you preach what I preach in front of ISIS, I'd be dead in 30 seconds. So Stephen up there preaching, and as people picked up stones, began to pelt them at him, and as he was hit, and as he was getting ready to fall, he on purpose fell to his knees, and he said, Father, don't hold this to their charge. Forgive them. What a thing. You're going to have to forgive. You say, I can't do it. I know you can't, but you're saved. God says, in the same way as you have been forgiven, extend that forgiveness or else you're going to be in bondage. Secondly, forbear. Now, to forbear means to put off and not exact revenge. Who's in charge of vengeance? The Lord is. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. So you're going to have to stop trying to hurt the other person who hurt you. They need to hurt. Yeah, they do. But you're not the one that's supposed to take care of that. God will take care of them. The greatest gift will be if God saves them from the punishment they deserve. Wouldn't that be better? By forbearing justice, and then thirdly, by allowing yourself to finally forget some things. There's too many people in this room and Christians in this world who hold on to the memories, and they hold on to them, and they hold on to the hurts, and they hold on to to the messed up past, and they hold on to it, and the Lord says, let it go. Forgetting those things which are behind. Got to do that. Now, you won't be able to do it. Not until you're in the Bible and not until you've forgiven them. And I mean you forgive. Well, they didn't ask to be forgiven. Doesn't matter whether they ask or not. If you don't want to be in bondage to them, you say, how are they in bondage? Because when you won't forgive them, you become their slave. And everything they do will be like, like a chain and they'll pull you along. And they will make your life miserable until you break the chain. And the way you break the chain is by forgiving them. That's Bible. I don't make uh, every, uh, uh, there's, there's 57 different types of counselors out there. But all of them will tell you, you need to forgive. And that's Bible. So the final two points are replace and then take responsibility. Now, we're only going to talk about replacing today, and we'll finish with taking responsibility next week. By the way, whose mind is in you? Yours. So if you want to have a renewed mind, who's responsible for getting it? You are. You are. So this is for us, amen? So let's pray. Father, we ask you now to help me say what you would say if you were here this morning, and help us to hear it.
as if you are speaking to us. So many times you would cry out, and you says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Are we, are we paying attention? Is this, is this something we need? I know it is. The renewing of our mind, Lord, is possible, and it's mandatory. Lord, we've got to have it. Please help some, some people in this room finally get the victory over all of those past hurts, all that messed up thinking. Help them to finally be able to say, I, I, I distinctly remember forgetting about all of that stuff because they're forgiven. Because I want to live a renewed mind. I don't want to live an old way, defeated way. <laughs> Lord, it all is because of Jesus Christ. We, we can never forgive until we've been forgiven. We can never love the unlovely until we realize just how loved we are. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for the gospel that taught us how to love and how to forgive. Now help us to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 10, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 10. All right. If you're going to replace all the rubbish that's in your head, you're going to need to replace it with better things. Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 9. While you're doing that, let me tell you, after, after 30 years of this, constant being fed by even cartoons, constantly being fed by everything on television, now on the internet, you're going to have to look in there, <laughs> you're going to see, we got a lot of cleaning up to do. Now, you're not going to believe it's possible. You're just not going to believe it's possible. So, I'm going to tell you it is possible. As a matter of fact, it is not only possible, it is given to you to be able to do it. So, I'll show you. How many of you remember Philippians 4? Is it 4.13? I can do how many things? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. All right. So we're going to tackle this thing because to get rid of all of that rubbish, you'd say it's just not possible. It is possible. By the grace of God and by the, by, by the clear working word of God as you believe it. So we're going to identify the rubbish in our minds. Secondly, we're going to tear down the strongholds where the rubbish doesn't move easily. And thirdly, we're going to replace everything with some better things. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Hebrews 10 and verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Aren't you glad he did his, God's will instead of his own or my own? I come to do thy will, O God. And then it says, He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. So if you're going to fix something, you've got to get rid of the first things, the things that are there and are stuck there. Now, renewing your mind is like renewing an old house. You know, as our economy heats up and goes forward, these houses are going to become more and more expensive. You ever notice that? It's kind of strange. But you know, renewing an old house means taking out all the rubbish, all the broken glass, fixing up the walls, the walls, the roof, the windows, paint everything, make it beautiful, and then you need to fill it with everything that would make it a home. And the same home can be transformed. Would you believe that? Same thing with your mind. Same thing with you and me. According to Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus didn't keep the Old Testament and then add salvation to it. Did you hear what I said? Jesus didn't keep the Old Testament laws and say, all right, now keep the laws and just add me. He didn't do that. He took away the Old Testament laws. He actually nailed them to the cross, and then he put himself in its place. Do you know how to get saved? Oh, i got to keep the laws. You are wrong. How do you get saved? Get Jesus Christ. Believe on him. You see these 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 cable cars that, that take people up some ski lift or whatever, or take them up to 14,000 feet up somewhere in the Alps or whatever. You know what that cable car does? The impossible. But you get in, you sit inside, you look outside, and you enjoy the ride. You know what Jesus Christ is? He's the person who will take you all the way to heaven. If you think that you have to carry yourself up and crawl all the way up that wire, you're going to die. <laughs> Let Jesus Christ take you all the way there. But that doesn't mean you don't have rubbish in your mind to deal with. So the first thing you need to do 
is identify the rubbish in your mind. Now, maybe that's your son's bedroom. I don't know. Maybe that was your college bedroom. I don't know. But you know what your mind is like? That. You've got rubbish that goes back 25 years sitting there. If you had a pizza box with half an eaten pizza from when you were in college still sitting under your bed, what would your room smell like? And yet you've got memories of stuff when you were 14, 15, 16 years old, and they still stinking up the brain. Amen? So you're going to have to start looking in the brain and start finding all the stuff under the bed, <laughs> stained into the carpet, sitting on the on the bureaus and start looking around going, there's a lot of rubbish in this head. Amen. Now, let me say this. Don't throw everything out. Not everything in your head is wrong. I've met people who like, they, they, everything is wrong. No, 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 no. That's, that's an imbalanced thing. Not everything in your past was wrong. Follow me. Not everything in your life, in your past was a disaster. And not everything going around inside your head is wrong. Don't start trashing everyone and everything. Well, I hate my father. I want to get rid of my dad. I want to get rid of my mom. They were so... Don't do that. Okay? You'll get, you'll get in worse situation. There are some things that happened to you that were good, and they were right, and they were of God. They're not supposed to be trashed. Like the times you were corrected and chastened by your parents. Say, so my dad was so mean, I bet he wasn't mean enough. Amen. Well, you weren't with my dad. I had my own dad. And to this day, I'll tell you, I was not chastened enough. Amen. See, my mom was like MI6. Thank God for her, or else you'd be dead. Amen. There's some things in your past where you were humiliated, where things went wrong, where your life was made a disaster that actually saved you from a worse disaster. So don't sit there and start ticking off and going, well, this was bad and that was bad. Not everything was bad in your heart and in your life. You know, there were times when your parents grounded you and you thought your life was over. It was not. That was a good thing. Amen. I was grounded for three months. <laughs> so what? Grow up. Get over it. The times you were bored, the times you didn't have anything to do, the years that you've waited on God to meet your needs, they weren't disasters. They were right. There's some good thoughts that roll around inside of you. You've got to think about it. Like, you know, when you love God, that's a good thing. When you, when you focus on Him, you just, you just look outside and you go, God, thank you. When you have concern about your soul, that's a good thing. When you desire to be at church and be more like Jesus, that's a good thing. Don't trash everything in your head. I bet some of you even love your family. Think about them while you're at work. Amen. Not everything inside of your head going on is wrong. So what does qualify as rubbish? Well, let me give you a few things. One, things that are focused on you. <laughs> you stand in front of that mirror and you're there for 25 minutes. That's wrong. You're sitting there finding, uh, listen, the, 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 the yelping dog's the one that's hit. Uh, things that are self-focused when everything is about you and all your thoughts are about how you've been mistreated, how things aren't going right with you, how you deserve uh, a better job, how everything going on about you, those things need to be dumped. It's not about you. Jesus Christ didn't save you to think about you. He saved you to think about others. Now, yeah, you got to feed yourself. Yes, you need to make time to sleep. You need to read your Bible. Yes, you need to do some things for you. But when you're obsessed about you, you ever seen these people and their hair's pointed up? They got, they got uh, spikes and they got their... Uh, now everybody's into tattoos covered stem to stern and port to harbor and I don't know, all the things. They're covered in tattoos. You know what they are? They're obsessed with themselves. That's rubbish. God made you gorgeous. God made you handsome. And you're trying to make it better. Wow, well, you don't look it. That's pure rubbish. You say, you think tattoos are evil? I sure do. You know why? Because you're saying, God, you're not good enough. I can do better. Amen? It's not cosmetic. Well, I got the love of my life on my left shoulder. Yeah, until she left you, and then you had to change into, well, I got a new love of my life on the left shoulder. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Secondly, things that are dead got a dead rat in your room, what are you going to do with it? You're going to get rid of it. 
You've got anything that's dead, things that are gone. You've got, you've got memories of things that haven't, haven't occurred in 20 years, and there you are going back to it and remembering it. And all. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Things that are holding you back from being an all-out Christian. There are people who are not here this morning because they're at sports. There are people who won't read their Bible because their favorite TV program's on. There are people who won't sing a hymn, not because they can't sing, but because they don't want to be fanatical. Let me tell you, if anything is holding you back from being an all-sold-out Christian who just loves God and doesn't care who cares, if anything's holding you back, you need to get rid of it. Amen. If every time you got out of bed, you tripped on the rubbish on your floor, you know what you need to do? Get rid of the rubbish. And if every time you try to live for God, you trip up, find out what's tripping you up and say, my pride's in there. If you've got your career, if your career is all Sundays working, all Wednesdays working, you know, we have Sunday morning and Sunday night. Well, I can't be there on Sunday morning. I'll see you Sunday night then. I should have gotten two amens out of that. <laughs> well, I can't make it on Sundays. I'll see you Wednesday night then. Amen. You see, you see, God understands. It's the fact that you don't care that there are things that the devil puts in your life and they're good things, they seem. I mean, there's a raise, there's money, there's, there's prestige, you know. You got a better car, you got a bigger house. And you got no life with God. Anything that holds you back from living for God all out. I'm not saying for you to be a monk or a nun. I'm just, thankfully, I'm not saying for you to be anything other than an awesome Christian. You can be a chemist. You can be an astronaut. I always wanted to be a Christian astronaut. Uh, uh, you can be, you, listen, whatever you want to be, just make sure you're sold out for God. Amen. I mean, my life is, is passionate for Jesus Christ. Well, you're supposed to be a pastor. So are you. Amen. You say, well, my family, my family won't let me come to church. Really? Really? I think you worry more about them than you do God. You know what? They'll respect you more if you put God first. Amen. Especially anything the Lord calls an abomination in your head. You want to see a list? Any lustful thinking. Makes God sick. Uh, pride. These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And he calls about the proud look. Look at yourself in the mirror going, <laughs> made in the image of God. Yeah. <laughs> Lion. Lion tongue. You're so quick to just tell a lie. You don't care whether they ever come back on you. Lion is an abomination to God. It makes God sick. It's detestable to God. Abortion. You know what the Bible, he says, hands that shed innocent blood. If there's nobody, if there's anybody more innocent than an unborn baby, I don't know who it is. It's an abomination to God. If you think it's right, you need to get that changed. Complaining about everyone and everything. Constantly fault finding. You know, God says, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of that. See, I need to just start looking at my head and say, all I do is I tear people down. That's an abomination to God. You need to get rid of that thing and replace it with, you know what, I'm blessed. That person may be a thorn in my flesh, <laughs> but I get closer to God because of them. Amen. Toying with demonic powers and sorcery. Deuteronomy chapter 18 goes over and over and over. It says, watch out for the influence of witches, warlocks, necromancers, Harry Potter. It's in there. It's in the original. Anyway, <laughs> toying with casting spells. Wearing clothes of the opposite sex. Yeah, that's an abomination to God. And yet you'll watch it on television. You'll watch it on, a, on an Irish comedy where some guy dresses up like a woman. And they do it, and all of these comedies make fun of cross-dressing. God says it's an abomination. Say, I wonder what he would feel like. Don't you even go there. You say, how can you talk about such things? Because we live in this world God says, I need to get that out of my head. I don't care whether you get it out of your head, it's got to get out of mine. Homosexual attraction, over and over, over, the Bible says, don't do it. Don't even think about it. Don't. And yet it's all, Disney's full of it now. Um, uh, Hollywood's been full of it. Everything now, it doesn't matter what program, it is all same-sex attraction. You're going to have to decide not going there. 
Not going to think about it. Not going to think it's normal, natural, or anything. Got one amen. When you break a vow, when you say your word and then you pull back on it, you don't think it's important, God says, you see, if you don't have these things, these things trashed out of your head, they will ruin your, they will rule your life. Anything, how about an idol? Anything more important than God? It's got to be, you know what God had them do in the Old Testament? They went into those places where they used to worship God and were now filled with idols. They said, get in there and tear down those idols, clean it up, and make it just for God. You're going to have to do that with your head. I could go on and on and on. So it leads to the second point. If I'm going to replace the rubbish, I first have to identify what's rubbish, and then I need to tear it down. Now, a stronghold. Uh, strongholds are things that won't move easily. You know, it's easy to throw out something that's not anchored. It's easy to take a, a McDonald's coffee cup and throw it out. Okay? That's not a big deal. But most things in your heart and in your mind have been there for so much of your life that they don't move. That's what a stronghold is. Something in your way of thinking, a way you constantly feel that just doesn't seem to change. It's very powerful and very unmoving, like a fort, like a castle. And worst of all, it has an iron-fisted hold on you. But thankfully, they can be moved down, moved, uh, uh, taken down. So instead of just one, the Bible, take your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4. Now what this verse tells you about your own thinking is it's got fortresses inside. I don't know what they may be. They're just things from your past or things that you've tolerated in your life or things that you, you loved and that you appreciated and you thought were important. I'm going to talk about all the things that, that we hold dearly that are so against God. The Bible says there in first Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare, so it implies we're in a war, they're not carnal, they're not connected to your hands or your muscles, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what kind of holds? All right, strong holds. They're, they're there. <laughs> Casting down, what's the next word? All right, where are your imaginations work? Where are they in operation? Point to it. Right there. Now, the imaginations of the heart, they're deeper, all right? <laughs> but we'll work on the imaginations of the head for a moment. And every high thing that exalted itself against just the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. I, I grab and put a leash on every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, every one of those things inside you that have been there since you were a child where your dad told you you were no good, where your mom told you where you were never planned, we were very surprised. <laughs> and that haunts you. And your teacher says, you'll never succeed. And you, your, your boss, after boss, after boss, fires you. And you have nothing but disasters and strongholds of the devil holding you back, holding you back, um, uh, gripping you and stopping you from ever enjoying one day. Bible says you can cast them down. They can be torn down. Because it, it, the point is, you're in a war. I'm trying to get to, I'm going to trying to get to my illustration here in a second. In this war, to to cast the the Bible word here is casting down. To cast down means to oust, to supplant, to displace, to knock down, break down, to defeat, and take back control. And that's what can happen. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Where what used to be filled up in my mind. Bible says, I can cast down every imagination, every high thing. High thing meaning something bigger than you. And you can't wrestle it. Well, the Bible says you can. You can take back control. I'll give you, a, before I go to this point, go to Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, give you a simple illustration here. Mark 13, verse 1 and 2. You say, well, the stuff that's in my past is so permanent, it doesn't move. Well, listen to what Jesus says. 
Luke, uh, sorry, Mark 13, verse 1. <clears throat> and as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Now he's impressed with the structure of the temple. 53 years it had been in the making. They had built it and it was stunning. It was beautiful. And he says, boy, aren't these awesome? Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now he's speaking of when General Titus of the Roman army, about uh, 40 years from this time, was going to come and, and ultimately completely demolish the temple and every other building in Jerusalem. But what the disciples had considered unmovable, what the the disciples had thought would never come down, Jesus said, there would be a time where there would be not one stone left upon earth. You need to decide there's not going to be one stone left of a fortress of the devil left in your head and in your mind, in your thinking. Folks, we were duped into exchanging what God had first given us for worthless beans. How many of you remember Jack and the Beanstalk? See, I'm talking to an older generation. So nobody raised their hand. Anybody remember that story? Jack and the Beanstalk? Okay, good. All right. Scared me. I went, <laughs> Don't you remember the story? His mama, desperate, they're starving. Little Jack's got the only source of life, that cow, and he's going to market. And what? who does he meet? A little tinkerer who says, I've got some magic beans for you. <laughs> and Jack is mesmerized, and he swaps the cow for some pinto beans. You know? Now, yeah, he gets them up, but he regrets the day he ever did that, by the way. But anyway. You know, let me, give you, let me give you some thoughts here. When we were teenagers, our generation, probably your generation as well, was duped into exchanging our purity, our virginity, our innocence for what we thought was fun. We ended up with failed relationships after failed relationships, with mental illnesses like no one wants to admit. We've ended up with sexually transmitted diseases, rampant, We've ended up with broken homes and suicide rates off the charts because we thought we were trading in virginity and our purity for some fun. Our generation was duped into thinking that smoking was cool. How many remember Jimmy Dean? James Dean in the old movies. He had that pack of cigarettes wrapped up into his, his uh, uh, T-shirt there. Every movie from the 1930s on was filled with smoking until the 1970s when everybody was dying and they started to sue the uh, manufacturers um, of cigarettes. I think they should have sued the movies because it was the movies that convinced 15 years old that it was cool. Amen. You know, God gave you the pinkest, most beautiful lungs ever when you were born and then some nut on a movie convinced you. <laughs> <laughs> this is better. Yeah. We were duped into thinking that rebellion was right. Our parents are stupid. The Garda are oppressive. My teachers are harsh. We were duped into thinking the Catholic priests could forgive sins. So no one got right with God. All they worried about was whether they were in church. We were duped into thinking that darkness was exciting, that anger and hatred was powerful, that children need to be socialized instead of educated. Amen. We've been convinced that children need to be born with iPads in their hands instead of books. Amen. And we've been convinced that God is dead. And guess what? Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> it's time that we switch things back. Colossians chapter 2. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Every one of those things that may have haunted you, and uh, well, they do haunt you, but everything that you exchanged that was good and went, went to the world's beans, and to the world's make-believe, by the way, every movie you've ever seen where guy meets girl, next thing they're in love, next thing they are, they're happily ever after, never happened. 
It was a movie. Relationships aren't built over drinks. Amen. It takes hard work to make a relationship go. But everybody believes, well, if I just go to the pub, I'll meet Miss Beautiful. Yeah, at the bottom of the glass. (laughs) We were duped. Amen? All these guys, there's Harvey Weinstein. He was duped into thinking he could do anything he wanted and never have to pay for it. Amen? Young people are growing up thinking that I just have to show myself as some big hunk and all the girls will attract around me. (laughs) So they go on steroids, so they're pumping iron, so they're in the gym six days a week and nobody pays attention. (laughs) Yeah, amen. You know what? Every one of the things that you thought were right, normal, you compare it to the Bible, you find out they're wrong, you're going to need to take them right to the cross and nail them there. Look at your Bibles. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Well, look at verse 13, because it's just so good. And you, that's you and me, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he, Jesus, quickened together with him, having forgiven you how many trespasses? He forgive you all your sins, blotting out all the handwriting of all the ordinances, all the commandments that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took them all out of the way, and what did he do with them? He nailed them to the cross. So it's time that you took that, that attitude that, that got you in so much trouble and that, that viewpoint, and that view of, well, you know, as long as I'm not hurting anybody. Do you ever hear anybody say that? Abortion's not hurting anybody. Ask the baby. Ask, ask the, the father. Ultimately, ask the mother when she regrets it for the rest of her life. Nail everything that you thought was normal and that you were duped into believing. Nail it all across and say, Lord, all that was against me. I want a new mind. Now you can replace everything. Hebrews 10, 9 again. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9. We already read this at the beginning, but I want to just bring it up again just so that you get the point. Then said he, lo, Hebrews 10, 9, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So I got I to gotta find out what's trash, what's rubbish in my life. Then I'm going to have to cast it down and cast it out, break it down. You get a box. You're going to have to tear it up. It's going to fit in the rubbish bin. If it's going to fit through the door, you're going to have to tear it into pieces and then burn it or throw it away so that you can establish something better. Go to chapter 7, still in Hebrews, chapter 7 and verse 18. This is what Jesus did for us. You need to do it for your own mind now. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 18. Watch these words. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment. That means a nullification, a zeroing out of the commandment going before for the weaknesses, weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. God had to zero out. He had to fulfill the commandments because he couldn't fix us. Verse 19, for the law made how many things perfect? The law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. Do you draw nigh unto God because of the Ten Commandments? No. You know how you draw nigh unto God? Because of Jesus. Amen. And that better hope is not, well, I'll just try better, Pastor. Well, I'll try and be a better person. You're focusing on your outward efforts instead of the renewing of your mind. If I focus on the spirit of my mind, I'll focus on a relationship with Jesus Christ. If I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm okay. Because He's my strength. He's my stability. He fills my spirit. He may never heal my body. He may never stop a disaster from coming at me, but my heart and my mind can be at peace and can be sound and can be at rest and be full of joy because Jesus is there. So I need to replace things. I keep going. Chapter 7, verse 19. Oh, I already read that. For law made nothing perfect. Yes, I did that. Good. What do you replace? All right, I got sinful habits. How many have sinful habits? Let me see your hands. I didn't just say bad habits. All right, picking your nose is a bad habit. It's not necessarily a sinful habit. 
Did you say that? Yeah, that's why I wake you up. Sinful habits, sinful thoughts going on there, you need to replace those things. What do I replace them with? The presence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is always excess, but be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. So if i got stuff going on inside of my head and I start throwing them out, I need to replace it with the filling of the Holy Spirit. You say, how do you do that? That's a whole other message. You say, I'm full of worry, Pastor. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my retirement. I'm worried about my health. What do I do with all that? You replace it with worship. I wish I could go through all these things. I, could, I took out my verses because I don't want you to think that, folks, you want my notes? They're going to be online. But let me say this. There was a demon-possessed man. It should be five, five colon six. There was a demon-possessed man who was cutting himself. Um, and uh, uh, he, was in the, he was in the tombs. He was, he was crying day and night. He wanted to die. But when Jesus came along, you know what he did? He ran to him and he worshipped him. Listen, you got worries. You just want to die. You got stuff overwhelming you. Spend some time just worshipping Jesus Christ. That's how to get you through. You got bad memories? Well, hello. Make some good ones. Make some good memories. You say, we never had fun growing up. Take your kids and have fun with them. Come and help teach children's church over there and watch those kids just come unglued and joy learning the truths that you never learned as a kid. Invest in, in, in memories. Make some good memories. I mean, go for a walk and thank God for everything. Thank God for the air you're breathing. Thank God for the country you live in. Thank God for the democracy that we're in. Thank God for a church that tells the truth. Thank God for a Bible that's in your language, amen. Thank God for friends. If you only have two, you're a rich man. Thank God for your children. Thank God for your wife. Thank God for your husband. Thank God for your parents. You say, shut up and just thank God. Amen. Replace those bad memories with some good ones. Say, man, I had a great walk this week. I went out, I walked for two hours, and I just thanked God. That'll be a memory that'll stick with you for the rest of your life. So that's how you do it. Yeah. What if I am full of fears? I got nothing. I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of crowds. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my mother. (laughs) Have faith. You know, the greatest enemy of fear is a trust in God. You ever, you ever, uh, we watched a film called The Walk. Some nut back in the 1970s was desperate to make a rope across the two World Trade Centers in New York City. He couldn't wait to do it. And he got out there and he walked across that thing. It was like, I don't know, 80 feet, 100 feet. And then he said, I'm going to go back. And he went again. And then the police were gathering on both sides, and he started going back and forth. And right in the middle, he laid down. He's 107 stories up, and he laid down, and he's sitting there while the crowd's downstairs. He just sat there at perfect, had no fear. Now, that's an unsaved man. That's a man who's living for the thrill. Let me tell you this. You've got a God who won't let you down. You've got a God who's already been ahead of you and knows how to get you through. If you will trust him, the fears will go out the window. Amen. Your troubles won't, but your fears will. How about loneliness? Are you ready? Say, I'm lonely. Get married. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have another point. That's worship. I, had a, I have two thoughts going through my mind. Let me just deal with this one. The first one, if you are lonely, you could be married and quite lonely. <laughs> worship. You know, when, when I've learned, I've learned when I've been lonely and when things aren't going right, it's God saying, hello, I'm still here. So spend some time with the Lord. But then comes singleness. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Say, I'm single. Well, then get married. You know, the Bible says, he who findeth a wife findeth a good thing. It's a good thing to be married. Say, uh, I can replace being single. Yeah, amen, it works. Uh, focus on self. You know what you need to do if you're focusing constantly on yourself? Have some children. They will cure you of having <laughs> combed hair, 
having money in the bank, they will cure you of ever being able to do anything for yourself for at least 18 years. Amen. Amen. You listen, get married, have some kids, will you? <laughs> you won't be so self-conscious. You won't be so worried about yourself. You won't have any time for yourself. Amen, amen, and amen. How many agree with that? Yeah, amen. Replace, I mean replace everything that used to fill up your head in your life. How about your selfish will and your selfish wants? I got to have the new X phone. I got to have the new iPhone. Oh, the X. Oh, it's awesome. You're an idiot. If all you think about is new, having, getting, find out what God wants. Replace it with the will of God. Would one of you, would any of you say, Lord, here am I, send me anywhere in the world, and I'll go. <laughs> Don't say that, Pastor. Why not? Do you know, you know who got me in the most trouble? Me. Doing what I want to do, thinking about what I want to think about, I want to be like if I did God's will. What do you do with your old friends? You either win them or you replace them with new friends, good friends. I think I've seen a, a few good friends in here in this room to have, amen? Bible says, he who walketh with wise shall be wise. Let's keep going. What do you replace boredom with, pastor? A hobby or a job, especially a job. I believe every man in this room needs to have a hobby. Why? So that you're not on the internet. So you're not wasting your time sitting there bored. I don't think any Christian should be bored. I think you ought to always be. My wife says, we have so much stuff going on in church. You know why we do that? To keep men from being bored. You know what women need? Women need to learn a craft or something so they're creating with their hands so that they're a blessing. They can pass on to their children so they can teach their kids how to cook. By the way, women need to learn to cook still because men stink at it. Amen. It is, well, most men except Edberto. Most normal men, amen. The point is this. It's a shame where in marriage you heard about you heard about Tracy, the new bride, and, and, and Jim, the husband. And Tracy says, Jim, if you'll get the toast and the juice ready, we can have breakfast. And Jim goes, oh, great. What are we having for breakfast? Toast and juice. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, something wasn't passed down. Hey, folks, if you're bored, don't sit there and just hang and do nothing and watch stuff on television. Get a hobby, get a job. If you've been, if your life is filled with hurts by others, you'll need to replace it with forgiveness. Every time something comes into your head and you feel hurt by somebody, just by the memory of them, just by seeing them, you need to say, Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. Because as I have been forgiven, I will also forgive. Or else you'll never be whole. So every time a hurt comes up into your head, I forgive them. You say, I already forgave them. Forgive them again, because if it still hurts, it's not forgiven. Lazy Sundays. Oh, pastor, I love my lazy Sundays. You know what you need to replace that with? Church. Whose day is it today? Today is the Lord's day. If it was my birthday, I would hope everybody would come. Amen? <laughs> Pastor's day. I guess I got to go. Well, it's the Lord's day, and yes, you got to go. This, you replace. You say, well, I need time. You got all afternoon. You got Saturdays. I bet if I watched you on a Saturday... You're, you you can't, oh, I got to have Sunday. You already had Saturday. You only work five days a week, most of you. You ought to do my schedule. Lazy Sundays, replace it with church on Sunday. You'll be a whole lot saner. Amen. Hatred, I'm full of hatred. I hate, who can I hate? Let me see. I hate, I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> You're going to have grace. Have grace, fervent charity with one another. Have just, just put up with people. Demonic music, my head's filled with... You know, when I got saved, I had hundreds and hundreds of albums of heavy metal rock and all kinds of different rock music memorized. How am I going to deal with that thing? What am I going to do? I fell in love with hymns. I, I, I still, to this day, John and I, John hates it because they say, John, let's work on a song. I replaced all that stuff, and you could... You, it's very hard for me to even try to remember the lyrics from those 37 years ago. You know why? Because I've replaced them with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I replaced them. Amen. Voices in your head. I got voices in my head. Well, we all do. 
What do you do? What do you do? Well, the Bible says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Listen to his voice. My sheep hear my voice. As you're reading the Bible, I like to read out loud because I want to hear it. Let that voice dominate all the other voices. How about sharp, rude words? Well, you're so rude. Well, I know I am. What do I do? Replace it. Kind, respectful words. You can do it. You're going to have to replace it. Amen. If every time, now I've had to learn this, I go up to people a little bit too aggressively and I go, how are you doing? <laughs> well, you try to do that with uh, Kevin Bartlett over there. <laughs> or you try to do it with Dermot over there after his operation. And they'll go out of here in a stretcher. So, you know, when they go, oh, the next time I go up to them, I go, how are you today? <laughs> I've adjusted, amen? If your words cut, wake up and go, I need to cut out my cutting words. I got to be respectful. I got to be kind like Jesus would be. You know, God has something better than what you're putting up with right now inside of your head. Everything you're struggling with, God has something better. You got to take away the first so you can establish the second. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You say, it's a wrestling match. It's a wrestling match. You're going to be pulling things down maybe for the rest of your life. But you can do it. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, if I want to renew my mind so that my life is changed, so that my words are changed, so that my my, my my home has changed. I need to identify what's rubbish in there. I need to cast down and cast out anything that is that rubbish. And they need to replace it with good things, right things, better things. Because I can. Next week, I'm going to talk about taking responsibility. I can't. You know, counselors try to help you, but you know, counselors will tell you, and what the Bible tells you, God will give you the tools, and you can do it. And I gave you some tools this morning. Will you use them? If you're born again, you already have a new mind. How many of you with a raised hand say, I know that I know that I know I'm saved, I'm born again by the grace of God, He saved a wretch like me. Amen. If you couldn't raise your hand, you're an honest man, you're an honest woman. Thank God for you, because I hate liars, and so does God. If you couldn't raise your hand, let me tell you, there is a new mind waiting for you. It's a new life. It's eternal life. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that more abundant. And if you're born again, your brain needs to regularly be renewed. It's like a car. You drive it for a while. Guess what you got to do? You got to change the oil. You got to put in new petrol. When your mind runs out, burns out, breaks apart, and you need to repair it and you need to restore it. It's a key to a transformed life. How do you do it? Four steps. First of all, read that book. I don't, want, I, don't, I, I don't even want to ask, but how many of you read your Bible every day this past week? Don't raise your hand. I'd be embarrassed if I were you. I got one, but don't raise your hand. That's where it begins. If you're not willing to read your Bible, you'll never be able to forgive that enemy. You'll never be able to be free from hurts. If you're not willing to start reading and start listening and looking at how Jesus calls you to live, then release every offense. Every time somebody offends you, you got to look at them and go, oh, I forgive you. That doesn't mean that what they did wasn't wrong. Then third, replace all the rubbish with better things. That's what we talked about. Aren't there some better things that ought to be in our life than what's already going on inside of our head? Next week, we'll talk about take responsibility. You do that, and all the, all the changes possible will happen in your life. Father, I have done my best. Let the Word of God now finish the work. Pray the Spirit of God would convict and convince every person in this room of how lazy we've been about what goes on inside of our head. We let stuff go on inside of our head because nobody can see it. And we feel safe to be able to toy with filth and with trash and with rubbish and with sin. Because it's invisible, but it's not invisible to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. May we fear the bondage that we're in because of what goes on inside of our head.
all that hatred, all that anger, all that wrath, all the complaining, all the depression, all the defeat, all the hurt, all the selfishness. Pray we get tired of it. We say, Lord, I remember what it was like when I first got saved and how fresh, how clean, how exciting, how thrilling it was to be saved, to be a child of God, to be, to be in your kingdom, not of any works of righteousness which I've done, but just by the grace of God extended to me. As I just cried out for forgiveness, you gave it in full. And I remember, I remember. 37 years ago, how precious it was, how awesome it was. Help me renew my mind constantly back to that state. I hate it when I charge a phone and it acts like it's fully charged and an hour later it's empty. Lord, help me be fully recharged so it lasts, so that my life and my heart and my mind is transformed from the inside. Lord, in this room, there are plenty of people who have fought and argued and complained about the Bible and Christianity, but in their heart of hearts, they know this is right. That Jesus is the Son of God, came for sinners. He didn't come for good people. He didn't come for religious people. As a matter of fact, it was religious people who crucified him. He came for sinners. And if just one sinner in this room, just one would repent. Turn to Christ right now, and with all of their heart, cry out, say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. God, on the authority of the word of God, you promised you will in no wise cast out. You will save, because that's what you do. You are the Savior. You're not the educator. You're not the financier. You're the Savior of the world. Would you save somebody this morning? And let the rest of us hunger for that new mind that and it'll show. It, 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 we would be a transformed church if our minds were renewed. Help us do it. In Jesus' name, amen.